This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, thank you for being here and for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, we are going to be in several different places as far as Scripture goes, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting into the Word of God this morning. We've looked at Examine Yourself. Uh, we're going through a series entitled Examine the Heart. And uh, so several weeks ago when we started the first uh, the first sermon was examine yourself and we partook of uh, the communion together. We came together and took communion. And then the, the following week, which was last week, we looked at the resurrection and how when we examine ourselves through the resurrection, we can have a heart of thanks. If you recall, we looked at uh, really the reason that we can give thanks in everything is by understanding and recognizing and grasping the reality that uh, the resurrection took place and I can have a thankful heart. And so we looked at that last week and today we're going to continue really in a progression that as we examine our hearts, we can have thanks and today we can have a proper heart of worship. Obviously, when we look at the heart of worship, there's obviously so many different ways that we can look at this passage of Scripture, or this thought of worship. We can look at it through the lens of uh, what we just did through singing worship songs and doing those things. And then there's other areas of, of worship that we can look at. But uh, we're going to look at this. And uh, my desire is that as we look at it and we begin to examine our hearts, the natural outflow of that would be a true and genuine life of worship and praise. And these two words, praise and worship, go hand in hand. Uh, typically, when we, when we talk of those things, we're talking, we're going to have praise and worship, so we're going to have songs. Well, yes, there's a portion of that, but the heart of what this sermon is is not so much about the music as much as the heart that we have and how we are developing that. And as we examine ourselves, that our heart of worship and for worship would be uh, genuine. And so as we continue pressing on through this series, my desire is ultimately that our church would have uh, just a desire to worship, not just on Sunday morning. Because uh, worship goes beyond these walls. And I don't think that I'm telling you anything that you've never heard before. But worship is beyond these walls. Worship is beyond going to a concert uh, where we're going to sing songs. Worship is so much deeper than all of those things, though they are a part of that. And this morning, uh, we're going to look at, really, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to look at some of what we looked at last week, really, as we begin to uh, examine our heart with the, the resurrection, and we begin to know Christ, and we begin to know Him crucified, then we can experience such a genuine heart of worship. It's examining His death. It's examining His resurrection that gives us a heart of thanks. And if our heart of, is, is a heart of thanks, then a natural outflow of that would be a heart of worship and a heart of praise back to who God is. This morning at the kind of the core of this sermon is two of our core values. To know Him and to walk with Him. For it's as we know Christ and we grow in Him daily that we naturally have a heart of worship. Our worship is who we are. It's how we carry ourselves. It's what we say. It's, it's how we act to and towards our neighbors. It's everything about who we are because worship is an internal thing that can become external as we grow and know and walk in all of those things. 
So we look at that as a, as a thought of knowing Christ and knowing Him, and as I just stated, Him and Him crucified. And that flows out of us, which comes to that second thought of walk with Him. And as we, as we know Him, our natural desire is to walk with Him, or our natural desire is to have actions beyond what we know in our heads, which comes out in some of what we're talking about today and what we're doing. So this morning, one of my favorite passages of Scripture that I kind of go to in several different areas of, of life, depending on what's going on, but uh, looking at some of these things, 1 Corinthians 10.31, some of you may know it, I've quoted it several different times, but whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And you might go, well, that's, how does that have to do with the heart of worship? Because as the heart of worship is correct and honoring God, everything that we do would be striving to do to God's honor and God's glory. This passage of Scripture was one that I memorized as a child. When we stood at camp in camp, we would stand in the chow line ready to eat. And before we could go in and eat, all of us would be in our lines and we would quote this verse, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. But that's never left me. Because it should be in everything that we do, it should be to God's honor and God's glory. Not just at home, not just at work, not just in anything, but in everything that we do. It's in many regards the heart, really, of what worship is. Whatever we do is for God's glory. And so this morning, as we look at worship, we look at the, the depths of our heart. Out of the depths of our heart flows everything else. We're going to look at a couple different definitions. Worship, if you were to define some of that, there's one definition that calls it worth-ship. It is a part of our action to God expressing our love to Him because He is worthy. That is done in adoration and thanksgiving and prayers of all kinds. The, the offering of sacrifice and the making of vows that we would, we would worth, it's worth-ship. That we honor, we worship Him because He is worthy of our worship. Today I want to look at that and I will we'll talk about some of those things. But really my focus and what my thought is and my heart is today is that we would worship would be the heart of being bowed before him. To bow down, to prostrate oneself, to posture indicating reverence and homage. This is not just a, a physical thing that that we would do. And Lord willing, I, I, that's why we go and we bow in prayer. That's why we would bow our heads when you, when you meet and greet different people, especially in this day, they were meeting and greeting kings and all of those things, and they would, you would bow to them or you would, you would humble yourselves before them. And is our heart in a heart of bowing before God? Are we bowing before Him internally, but not only just internally, externally? Sometimes I don't, I don't always... Pray on my knees. There's times I do. There's times that I will bow before him. There's also times that I'll, I'll walk this auditorium. My heart is bowed before him, but I am physically walking the auditorium. There's many times I've walked in between all of these rows, touching every chair and just praying as I've walked. There's also times that I've been on this stage laying on my stomach, praying to God. It's a 
It's not just a heart thing, but physically I would come before God. Pastor Dave Tice over at Liberty Baptist Church, he would he teaches often on prayer. And some of the things that he would do is he would come and he says that in the morning he bows and he will lay every morning. And every morning he places his nose upon the carpet and he prays to God. He is bowing physically. God, today is your day. Maybe you've heard that from other pastors or whatever it would be. But so we physically at times have the posture. But the, the thought of worship is a heart of service. It's a heart of honor. It's a heart of giving worth. It's, it's, it's praising. It's giving worth where worth is due, if you will. It's as we look at this this morning, we're going to look. And my desire is that we would examine ourselves before God that we would be what we are to be and have the heart of worship that is genuine just giving back to God. But it starts internally. And so many times, here's, here's where I have found myself at times in my life. And maybe you could say you've found yourself in the same place. Is that I come to church on Sunday morning and I leave worship here, and then I go throughout my day, and I go throughout my week. And then I come back next Sunday morning, and we worship again, and then I leave. And then I come back, and we worship again. The heart behind everything that we ought to do is that we would have a heart of worship all day, every day, in everything that we do. And when we come here together, we are collectively worshiping as a body. And how amazing that it is when we do come together. I enjoy time with my church family. How many of you enjoy worship with your church family? I love it. I genuinely love coming and worshiping with my church family. But you know what? Do you know there's certain times we come in and you just would say, man, the spirit was just, it was just a great, great service. We have those, right? I would say last week was a, a great service. We had a lot of fun. There was the music. There was all those things. Now, some of that could be whatever, but sometimes it's just... Imagine if when you came in here on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, you had worshipped God all day, every day, and on Sunday morning, you come together with everybody that's around you, and it's just now, I'm just, I'm just physically, and I'm just expressing it together with everybody else in here. I'm not worried if I raise my hands. I'm not worried if I'm singing off pitch. I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about that. I'm just full of God. And today, I'm just worshiping God because God has filled me this week. And I've had a great week worshiping God. And we get to now do that together. Man, you know the reality is we can do that every week. But when this becomes ritual and this becomes tradition... We don't have that same experience. And so the thought this morning, the idea this morning is that we would examine our hearts, that we would have a heart of worship so that it is genuine and real and pure every day. And then as we come together, how much more sweet that it is in worship. John chapter 4 is where we will be this morning. And my prayer is that we would leave with the heart of worship that is guided in spirit and truth, that leads us to be a living sacrifice 
and as expressed through the fruit of our lips. Would you join me? John chapter 4 this morning. We're going to look at verse number 23. And this morning we're really going to bounce all over the place when it comes to Scripture. And I hope that's okay. Uh, but John chapter 24, or John chapter 4, verse 23. And we'll start there this morning. It says this, But the hour cometh, and now is... When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Father, I come to You this morning, and Lord, I just ask that You would use today to encourage the hearts of those that are here. God, that we would genuinely just desire and seek after you God that we would uh, grow in our own worship every single day and Lord as we look at this passage today that we would do so in spirit and truth that we would understand some of what that is today and God we would understand that we can worship you we can praise you we can have a right heart attitude of worship with you regardless of the circumstance as we constantly are examining our hearts as we constantly go back to examining and looking at the resurrection and seeing where we are and as we do those things God we can genuinely and truly worship you in spirit and in truth God meet with us today it's in Jesus name that I pray amen this here in this passage of scripture, we're looking at a lot really going on in, uh, in all reality. This is, a, uh, this is one or two weeks of a sermon in and of itself looking at John chapter 4. But as we look at this, we're looking really at the foundation of worship. Um, but not just worship at all, but really every aspect of our Christian life. We're looking at a woman who... Uh, Jesus, he was asking Jesus questions and, and he, Jesus responds and says, hey, true worship is what he's coming to to a place that you must worship in spirit and truth. We're going to get rid of all the stuff. We're going to get rid of all of the traditions, all the ritualistic things, and, and we're going to come and worship in a, a true, uh, the spirit of truth or spirit and truth is really where we're at. And if we were to just dive into the passage alone, we would see this. Jesus confronting a woman at the well who was in sin. And I'm not reading all of this, but I'm going to kind of do a, a brief skim here. And he tells this woman, go and get your husband. What does she tell him? I don't have a husband. Jesus says, check. You gave me the right answer. Right? I don't have a husband. He says, you spoke well. You told me the truth. And he says what? You don't have one, but you've had five. And the one that you're with isn't your husband. Go have that conversation around the cooler tomorrow at work. <laughs> we would all look at that conversation and we go, man, that is harsh, right? <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> at least I do. <laughs> It's awkward enough telling somebody that you're a pastor, let alone telling them, hey, how's your wife or how's your husband? Oh, I don't have one. I know. Man, we... That's tough. Do you know the reality of in this, this story and reality of some of these things? What happened here is what has to happen for every person to come to a place of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. What did Jesus do? 
He let her know her sinfulness. He made it very clear of the sin that was in her life. What must every person in this room who comes to know Jesus Christ, what must we know? We must know our sinfulness. And though we would say, man, that is really harsh. I can't believe that somebody would say something like that. And maybe we would say it a little bit different. He's Jesus. He can say what he wants. No, but we, almost, we all must come to that same place of knowing and recognizing our sin. We must recognize our separation. And this lady went on to, to begin to question Jesus in different things and asking more about religion and what, the, what her worship was and what she was aware of and, and if they would worship... <coughs> excuse me, what didn't you worship on this mountain and all of these different things and began to ask some of these questions as to religion and worship. And Jesus begins, and we'll get to some of this stuff, but in, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says salvation is of the Jews. Jesus says what we would might say today is in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus stated to the woman, salvation comes here. And we must worship in spirit and in truth. Or maybe what about in John chapter 3, a familiar, familiar passage. In John chapter 3, in verses 1 through 6, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And as we look at this, uh, to Nicodemus, Jesus says, You can't enter the kingdom. Here, Jesus says, You can't worship. There is no worship without being in spirit and truth salvation is from the jews he says they were chosen of god yes and jesus was a jew but he says this the hour has come and now is that hour what does he say though when true worshipers must worship in spirit and truth the hour has come today we live in that hour he was telling her i am that hour if you will I am the Savior who will be brought to death and who will be raised to life. He states in John eleven twenty five 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he says, believest thou this? Today, as we examine our hearts of worship, we go back again to salvation. We go back to the foundation. Have you come to a place of recognizing that sin? That sin causes and is causing separation from Jesus Christ. Then we must realize as this woman had to, or as Nicodemus had to, that a true worshiper would worship in spirit and in truth. When we look at this, it's not talking of the Holy Spirit, but that our spirit, our our. Our heart, if you will, the spirit that is within, the heart that is within us, 
that human aspect of this must be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Worship must be internal, not externally conforming to the ceremonies and rituals. It must be from the heart. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, and it says, The hour is cometh now when the true worshipers shall, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That truth calls for this heart of worship to be consistent with the Scripture that was being taught and that is being taught, centered on the Word of God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 3 says it this way, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I would ask you the question, today are you worshiping in truth? Do we worship in truth? Am I worshiping based on an external religious experience or am I truly seeking the face of God internally? Our worship cannot be one or the other. It can't be spirit or truth. If it's one or the other, it's completely out of whack. There's churches today that are full of the spirit but have zero truth. And you might walk into that church and you may raise your hand and the songs might be great and there's things that might be awesome. But the spirit part of it is what I would say crazy. But the truth is wrong. There's other churches that the truth is there. We've got all the head knowledge. The doctrine is right on. All of the things that we would say that we would, oh man, they are sound, they are sound, they are sound. The word of God is sound, but there is absolutely no life in the church. Listen, I can be spiritually one way and have zero truth. I can also have so much truth that I'm prideful, that I'm arrogant, that I I speak over you. I am better than you. And everything in that, on both aspects, can be wrong. God's word says we must do so in spirit and in truth. So as we examine ourselves, do you know Christ as Savior? Has your sin been revealed to you and you know you need a Savior as Jesus spoke to this woman here? Secondly, is your worship external or, and not internal? When you come to church on Sunday morning and you stand and you raise your hands. But you haven't picked up your Bible the last six months of your life. And you're wondering why things are miserable for you. It's only become external. It's ritual. I'm here because... Well, the American church and the American people say that church is on Sunday and I'm supposed to be here at 10 o'clock. Or for us, 10.30 or some of you, 10.45, 10.50. <laughs> right? It becomes ritual. God was telling, Jesus was telling this woman, it wasn't about the rituals of where my father, where your fathers worshipped on this mountain or on that mountain. He was telling them that the, it must be spirit and truth and I am the spirit and the truth. I am the truth that you are looking for. I am the one who has come to reveal the sin. I am the one who has come to save from sin. I am that, is what he was saying to this lady. It's what he was saying to you and I. We cannot worship outside of this passage here, spirit and in truth. 
We can't do it. So, a heart of worship that is guided in spirit and truth leads us to be a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 is a passage that I've, I feel like I use it for so many different things. But Romans 12, verses, uh, verse number 1, it says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we have a heart of worship that is guided in spirit and in truth. And as, our, as we're guided in spirit and in truth, it leads us to a place that we would be a living sacrifice. Paul is writing, and he's looking at this, and at the very beginning, he says, I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you. Who is he pleading with? The believers. He is pleading with them that they would present themselves a living sacrifice. And that we, as we look at having a heart of worship, we must come again to that place of presenting ourselves a sacrifice before God. This is a dedication. This is a commitment that truly is beyond us. It's obviously beyond our sinful desires. This is Paul urging with a strong urge, if you will. He is saying, because of all that Christ has done for you, we would present ourselves in this manner. Here's sometimes what we do. We present ourselves in such a manner so that we can gain something in the process. I present myself a living sacrifice, if you will. God, if you allow this to happen, I will never, right? If you would only allow this. God, if you save my whatever, I will never do this ever again. We are presenting ourselves to God so that there is a benefit on our behalf. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, why would I present myself to God a living sacrifice? Why? Because of the mercies of God that are there not because of you, but because of Him. So when I present myself over here saying, God, I'm going to do all these things so that you can do all of this, God says, "Uh uh-uh. No, Paul is saying, don't present yourselves because of all of this. Here's, I've said it so many times. When we go to the Lord, we ought to go to the Lord for Him, not for what He offers. If you are after what's in God's hand for you and not His face and knowing Him, you're after the wrong thing. Because as soon as this stops, Then everything, well, where's God? I thought he loved me. I thought he cared for me. Paul says, no. We are dedicating ourselves. We are giving ourselves because of the mercies of God. I'm going to present myself to God. That's an internal thing. When I present myself to God, that's an internal thing. Not because of anything that he could give to me, but because I am seeking the face of God. When we pray, Listen, I, I need to do a, a sermon on some, or series on some of this, but when we pray, man, our prayer ought to be to the face of God, not to the hand of God. Because that's what it's about. God's already given you everything. If you know Christ is your Savior, <laughs> He give you everything. 
I don't need anything else. He's gracious and he provides. He's loving and he provides. But he's given me, he's already performed the greatest miracle that could ever be performed. He took you straight out of the pit of hell and he gave you everlasting life. A living sacrifice. This is a dedication, it's a commitment. And Paul is urging them. We ought not serve to gain God's mercies. We already have them. Paul says to serve out of love because, he's what he, because of what he has done and is doing. We're looking at a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is rich with all kinds of goodness. But Romans 6 verses 12 and 14 says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it, in the lust thereof, neither yield ye your members as instruments of right unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. This is our daily struggle, to yield ourselves to God. This is at the heart of worship. This is what it is to worship in spirit and, our, and in truth, that we are yielding our members to righteousness and not to unrighteousness. That is my living sacrifice, that I am daily yielding myself to God, not yielding myself to me. Yielding to righteousness, not to unrighteousness. And if we were to continue to go on in chapter, chapter 6, verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid, know ye not, or know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. As a believer, I was the servant of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has delivered, which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield ye, or yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. We are to yield our members to righteousness. Just like before we knew Christ, we yielded our servants to unrighteousness. Why? Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 20, it says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why am I to do that? As a believer in here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would say, yes, Pastor, I have, I have given my life to Christ. I have said yes to God. I have recognized my sinfulness, and I am giving my life to Christ. We look here, we would present our bodies a living sacrifice. Why? Because of the mercies of God, because of all of His goodness. Then here's what we ought to do. We ought to yield ourselves, yield ourselves to God, yield our members unto God, not unto unrighteousness, but unto righteousness. Why? Because I am no longer my own. I have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and I am no longer my own. The things that I have are not my own. 
The car that I drive is not my own. I don't care what the bank says. It's not mine. God's given me a job. God's enabled me to live in the greatest country in the world. God has allowed me to do these things by His mercies. It's not mine. Why? My life has been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ Almighty. And all He asks is what? He says, Aaron... Would you yield yourself to me? Would I not live? <laughs> I love this. To whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servant you are to whom you obey. If you yield yourselves to sin, you are a slave to sin. If you yield yourselves to righteousness, you are a slave to righteousness. And God says, Paul's writing in chapter 12, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice this morning at the heart of worship. If this is what we're looking at, and we're going to begin to examine our hearts in all of these different areas, we would look at it first and foremost, that we must worship him in spirit and in truth, that we would understand our salvation, that we would be founded and grounded in the word of God, that this this here is our foundation, not what Pastor Aaron says, not because Oasis Baptist Church is your home church, but this is the foundation of your life. And based on this, man, my worship can be pure. My worship can be genuine. I can present my body a living sacrifice as I yield myself to God every single day, all day long, to the best of my ability. Am I going to fail? Dag nabbit, yep. Because there's going to be a moment where I'm living in my flesh and not in the spirit. But man, I thank God in 1 John. He says, you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Man, I'm grateful that there was a day when Jesus Christ died on a cross and he took my sins and he threw them as far as the east is to the west. Because this bozo is going to blow it every day. It's our desire that we would, we would be a living sacrifice. That we would be a living sacrifice. A heart of worship is guided in spirit and in truth. And it leads us to be a living sacrifice. And is expressed through, and I love this last piece of this passage of scripture. It says that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is my spiritual worship. As I am guided in spirit and in truth, I will be led to live a life of a, as a living sacrifice, and that would be expressed through our spiritual worship. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, and acceptable unto God. Would a dead sacrifice be worth anything? No. If we were to go back to the sacrificial laws and all those things, they weren't bringing dead animals to the sacrifice. They were bringing what? Living animals. It was alive. It wasn't just alive. It was the best that they had. And if they didn't have a lot because of finances or whatever it is, there was a means that they could do what they could do. It would be a, a living sacrifice. 
one that was pure and spotless. Romans chapter 6 again in verse number 8 says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are the living sacrifice. And in being a living sacrifice and presenting ourselves to the Lord, we act. We do something about it. It says our reasonable service, your spiritual service of worship. This is our only reasonable thing to do. It's only reasonable that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice. It is only reasonable that I would present my body a living sacrifice and then I would act out, I would live out, as it says, a reasonable service. I don't know what is reasonable for you, what is rational for you, if you're a salesperson in the room, I don't know if we have any salesmen in here, sales ladies, but if you're a salesperson in the room, you set a price at such and such, and I'm going to walk in, I'm not a good negotiator, so if I'm buying a car from you, you've got me. But if, you are, if I'm walking into a place and I'm going to buy a car, they're going to give you a number. That number is going to be $15,545 and you're going to walk in and say, I will not walk out of this place unless that is what? $12,332. I will not go over this line. Right? They're going to come back to you. Oh, hold on. Let me go talk to my manager. Right? Let me go talk to my manager. Then they're going to come back again. Well, the manager said this and you're going to say, no, this was my hard line. Well, what if we do da 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 And you're going to say and you're going to respond, but they're going to come back. What is it? Something that is reasonable. Because you know, most of the time, you're going to say, my hard line is this, but really it's up here. Because you know that that's, this is the number that I don't want. I won't go over this. I said 12, I really meant 13. Because you know that they're going to come back to you with something else. And you're going to go back and forth with something that is reasonable, typically in the middle. There's a lot of things that we would reason. This says our reasonable, our rational service, our rational act of worship is literally what that is saying. You know what? I don't know what my rational act of worship is. To give to God, who created the universe, who sent His Son to die, who's given me everlasting, eternal life, who says that He, is, he desires that I would have the desires of my heart, who says that His desire is that we would live and have an abundant life. He says that he wishes and he wants to give us more than we could ever think or imagine. And we're going to go, well, God, I don't know if that's, I don't know. Because that seems a little bit tough for me. 
to get up a little bit earlier to read the Bible today. That's a little hard to actually, I'm, I'm really supposed to live my life like this? Yeah, <laughs> we are. We are. He wants what? He wants our, us to be a living sacrifice. Again, what is that? That I am yielding myself to righteousness, not unrighteousness. That I am examining myself. Why in 1 Corinthians 11, why would it say to examine yourself if it didn't mean to examine ourselves? Do you know why we get off track? Because we don't examine. We don't look back. We don't think. <laughs> we don't think. If you're like me, maybe some of you think more than I think. But we don't think sometimes. We just do it. And then when we're done, we're like, man, I don't, that might not have been the best idea. Probably shouldn't have said that. How many of you wear more of your feet than your feet wear your feet, right? Shoes and, you, yeah. All of that was mumboed right there, right? And nobody laughed, though, until I made fun of myself. So we're good. I do. More times than not, I, I have to get my shoe out of my mouth, put it back on my foot. Why? Because I just don't think. As we're looking at this series, the thought is this, that we would examine our heart. And as we examine our heart, last week, as we examine our heart and look back at salvation, look back at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we would do that. Because as I recognize, as I examine all of these things, I begin to go, wow, man, I am unworthy. God is mighty. God is all of these things. Because you know what? In our sinful flesh, I begin to think that I'm pretty awesome. Reality is, I'm not. <laughs> Isn't that hard? You ever looked in the mirror and be like, you're not cool. <laughs> but that's really the reality. I'm really not that great. But man, in my flesh, we all think that we're great. Until you came to know Jesus, you said no to God and you said yes to you, which meant what? I am God and not you. And then oftentimes in my life of Christ, I say, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. And I say what? I am God. God, you just take a seat. I've got this plan. I've got it all, I've got it all planned out. It's going to be good. What does God do every time? He lets you go, right? He'll let you go. Hey, go ahead. Keep on doing that thing. And there's going to come that time. Boom. And we're all going to go, what just happened? And we're going to begin to examine. And we're going to look back and we're like, oh, right there, I missed it. And today, this series, what if we began before, before God has to move in and just smack us around? What if we began to just say, God, I'm looking back. I see the resurrection, and wow, it's amazing. God, I'm looking back, and 
I'm not a really bad guy. I think I'm okay. I'm in church. I read my Bible every so often. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But if I were to be honest, it's not right. It's not in spirit and in truth. I'm not genuinely presenting my body a living, my, a living sacrifice and yielding my members unto righteousness. Instead, I'm, I'm far off and living in unrighteousness. Therefore, I'm a slave of sin. And I don't desire to be in that situation. And I'm going to examine it now before I have to get smacked in the head a little bit. Because my heart is that I would serve God. My heart is that when I'm at home, I would be the dad that I'm supposed to be. I would be the husband that I'm supposed to be. I would be the neighbor that I'm supposed to be. My heart is that it's when I come and I serve at church, and when I, when I serve in wherever the capacity that God has called you to serve in, that I, I do it genuinely, and I do it out of a pure heart and with a pure motive. And there is no other thing. I just genuinely want to serve God. But it's become about me. It's become about me. I've said this so many times. When I worship Him and focus on Him, my feelings don't get hurt so easily by others. You know the reality is? If you serve at Oasis Baptist Church in any capacity, from cleaning on whatever day you're able to clean to a nursery to a children's ministry to youth ministry to serving coffee to serving in the back to singing on stage to doing any, any aspect of ministry. When you begin to do it for yourself, you'll get really, really irritated with those that are around you. And you'll begin to think of how great you are. And if only they would do it the way I would do it. And if only they would do this thing. And if only they would do that thing. But when I'm worshiping and I'm serving God because I am genuinely focused on God, when somebody says something that's maybe off color, or you think, man, why would they say that? Your heart is in the right place. Therefore, your reaction is a whole lot different. It's not God. You know what? Fine. They want to act like that? I'll take my service elsewhere. You laugh? I get those calls weekly because Johnny hurt Joe's feelings. And then you listen to it and you're like, are you serious right now? That's the issue? And you know those people. I don't go to church. Why? Organized religion is blah, 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 blah. That guy made me mad. You know why? Because you're worshiping you and not God. And when we worship God and not us, I say it all the time. When I, wor- I worship God. And when I worship God and serve God, I get to serve you. When you serve God, you get to serve others. And in the end of that, man, it's a whole lot better. It's a whole lot better. This morning, let me just ask these couple questions. The beginning of that is, I mentioned spirit and in truth, that we would know God and have a personal walk and a personal relationship with Him. So I would start there. And I look around and I know most everybody in this room, 
But I never want to take for granted that there's not somebody that doesn't know you or know the Lord as Savior. And so I would start with that. Today you come to a church service, a a worship service, where we worship by loving each other, where we worship by singing songs, where we worship by opening the Word of God. And I would ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there come a time where you've said yes to Him and no to me? Where you were sitting on the throne and now you get off and you say, God, this is your throne and no longer my own. Has there come that time where you've said yes to God? Believer, this morning I would ask you these questions. How is the spirit and in truth aspect for you? Oh, I know God is Savior. Awesome. Are you growing in Him? Are you spending time with Him? When was the last time you opened the Word of God for you and your life at home? Before you go to bed, before you go to work in the morning, at your lunch hour, whatever that is, I don't know what it is for you. But how is that? I'll say it. I said it to the guys yesterday in the morning. I changed up my whole devotional routine just about a month ago because I felt like it was just becoming that, a routine. I was reading passages of Scripture just to say that I read passages of Scripture. And so I stopped. And I began to do more note-taking than I was prior to. I began to change up. And I'm doing more of a study than I am just a reading. Because I recognized what I was doing was more ritualistic than it was real and genuine. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you would say this morning... If I were to be honest with myself, I'm not yielding my members, if you will. I'm not yielding myself to God, to righteousness, but to unrighteousness. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.com. Dot church.